Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back, guys. DGS on KMOX. Gorgeous day out there. 306. It is time for the priest and the rabbi. Uh, if you've ever heard it, we have Monsignor Ted from ICD. Rabbi Shmuel from Asia Torah. They've been with me forever. And we, of course, talk religion, but we also will talk politics or current events or philosophy. If you would like to uh, ask the gentleman a question or get your opinion on the air about uh, whatever we're talking about, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Feels like a long time. Catch me up. How are you guys just doing personally? Monsignor, how are you? Doing great, Dave. uh, God bless me. I'm 73.8. My, one of my goals this year to turn 74. <laughs> one of your goals. I, I had a, I had two-thirds a there. So. Uh, I had, a, I had a, my share of uh, health deals. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, back as we were just chatting a minute ago, back back to water skiing again. That's pretty exciting. I had to take a summer you. off from that. So uh, God bless me. I'm hitting the gym a little harder, but life is good. Good for you. Always good on the prairie. So we're talking about what a big Cardinal fan you are, which I've known for a long time. Were you a pretty good ball player as a kid? Uh, I think I was pretty average. Uh-huh. I, I was the, I was in the, the, uh, the part that made the top half possible. Okay. So, but I, but I loved it. Yeah. Of course, when I was a kid, it wasn't all about fancy uniforms sure. and select teams, pickup games, spent a lot of the summer playing on the asphalt. And I mean, no complaints, great childhood, yeah. carefree. Uh, but yeah, I was played, played a lot of ball on the public school playground yard and in the street. Yeah. Uh, but not, and, and I was on a team, but it being on a team didn't mean what it did. We had fun. Yeah. So I know you've been <clears throat> a Cardinal fan since you were a kid, but like when I think of my era, like when I was the biggest fan, it was like the Keith Hernandez, uh, you know, Kenny Reed's not the greatest team we ever had, but that's like my team. Who is, what's your era? When you really well, loved it. Well, I, I grew up in the 50s and 60s. So, I mean, I, I'm old enough to have seen uh, Stan Musial, um, Bob Gibson. So that that era of player going back to the 60s and even remembering when Lou Brock first came up, you, you know I knew uh, Musial pretty well. Yeah. He, his last year was uh, 63. Yeah. And uh, he all, it was the year of the big trade for Ernie Brolio for Lou Brock. Did you go to a bunch of games as a kid? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it usual. We were, you could get it from where I lived in the north part of the city. And we, you could, you could get on a bus and get down to the stadium for 15 cents. In those days, you could go down there on your own. You could get a ticket for a dollar. So it wasn't because we were sick in the bleachers. We actually lived a few miles away. We actually walked to a game one time. We yeah. were such big fans. So yeah, great, great memories of that. It was kind of, kind of um, 
part of our part of our so culture. This may sound like a dumb question, but I think you'll get it. So you literally watch Musial and Gibson oh, yeah. and Brock, and you've watched Pujols and oh, all these yeah. guys. Does the game feel significantly different, or is the game the game? Um, for me, the game's the game. I, I mean, I actually to this day. Uh, Bush Stadium is one of my favorite places to go, besides church, of course. But but it is. It's a great, great spot. I I love going just down here. I I love being in the stadium. For people in this day and age, they call it Bush 3. If I'm sitting there, I'm with some friends. We got food. We got beverage. And I love the game, but the game can almost be a backdrop. It feels like a universe unto itself. Well, they they, they make this distinction sometimes. It's a... uh, they call it, for baseball, they call it a park. Everything else they call it a stadium. I think it has more the feel, uh, yeah. the, the green grass, the, the pace of the game. Uh, you actually have, and I love all the sports, but baseball, you actually have time. You can watch the game, not miss anything, and uh, and you can have visit with your friends the whole time. I Whereas agree. all the other sports, especially soccer right now, great sport, enthusiasm, but it's not really... A place to go visit. Yeah, Rabbi, what's new with you? Well, I wasn't. I didn't grow up a Cardinals fan. But, uh, <laughs> I'm a, I grew up a Dodgers fan. That's okay. But um, but I'm. Well, who was your team? Who are your players? Steve Garvey, Ooh, Ron Say, Bill penguin. Russell, Davey Lopes. That's Wick my Infield. era too, man. Yeah. Did you hear our clip from Tommy Lasorda a little bit ago? Mm, no. Oh, a lot of no, bleeps. We'll play it for him. Lasorda was, man- <laughs> was the manager. I, I, I had some good tickets one time. I could sometimes almost hear what he was saying. Yeah. But uh, no, so that, but so I'm well. I'm planning on going uh, to Israel for Sukkot in October, and my my uh, four of my children live there, and I have uh, grandchildren there. So wow. Wow. that's what I'm looking forward to doing. So uh, I wanted to start with you because. Uh, I mean, I don't know how else to say it. Uh, Israel has always been dramatic, yes. <laughs> going all the way back. Yes. Um, but it's a different kind of dramatic now, and with the politics. And I don't, I don't pretend to know everything that's going on. But uh, you tell me, like, is it especially dramatic right now? Are you going through something new? Um, hmm. you know, I, it's really hard to say. I would say like this, is there's some tumultuous events going on. It's not the first time. You know, Israel has almost come to destruction a few times, the Yom Kippur War. Um, you know, I just have to say it's that I really just think that, uh, this might be a little controversial to say this, but I really think that Israel is, is a democracy. You know, all the lands that the, that the Palestinians are demanding back now, they had. Well, it wasn't them. It was Jordan and 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 uh, Egypt, right? The re- Israel was given a parcel of land and was attacked by five ar- armies and ended up with these lands from winning wars where they were attacked. And then the people there now want their own state. They never had that state, but now they want their own state. I think Israel has tried and wants to give them their own state because it doesn't make sense to try to rule over people that don't want you ruling over them. But I just believe the whole the whole insane fanaticism about Israel. It either comes from one of two things. It either comes from anti-Semitism, which I don't, as you know, we've talked about this. I don't like to make that up unless it's, there's evidence for that. I don't like to just throw around, you know, you're anti-Semitic. But I'm just saying to pick on a state like that, there's 500 million dead in Syria. And to just pick on this little country all the time. So it's, to me, it's one of two things that people that are just absorbed with this. It's either anti-Semitism or they're being duped by people who are 
you know, th- th- there's a huge machine of creating um, all sorts of, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, arguments against Israel and, and, and saying that they're guilty of atrocities. You know, the Jewish people were peaceful people. Like, you know, we're living all over the world peacefully. I mean, not many people are afraid to go through a Jewish community. It's not like, you know, it's scary. Jewish people are culturally nonviolent. And, and, and the, so now, then on the other hand, you have the Shiites and the, and the Sunnis killing each other all over the world. And everyone's claiming, though, but the violence in Israel is coming from, from the Israelis. And I just think that's a, a completely false narrative. You know, Bill Clinton had the two groups together. They were about to make peace. And Yasser Arafat left and didn't make a counteroffer and started an intifada. So, you know, these the problem is now you have a lot of things internally going on in Israel, and you don't want that to weaken them against their, the, you know, those who would want to do them harm. You have Iran, which is threatening them with, with nuclear destruction. How many countries have a, a country that's saying, we're going to get it, we're trying to get a nuclear bomb and, and destroy you? You know what I worry about? <clears throat> I think you guys will get this. And, and I don't pretend to be any sort of expert on Middle Eastern politics or history. But it seems to me that one of the problems in the Middle East is that uh, people have come over generations to define themselves by, oh, I'm the guy that hates you mm-hmm. and you're the guy that hates me. And what I'm afraid of is that we're in the nascent stages of that in our own country. And what we've seen over the past few years, that we're heading down that, uh, I'll repeat this for you guys, Uh, I talked about a couple weeks ago, a a study came out, Jane Goodall kind of study, Mm -hmm. that when chimpanzees live in one tribe, they will bluff charge each other, and they'll challenge the alpha male, but that it rarely, rarely comes to violence. When they break into two groups, it always ends in violence. One will attack the other pack, and they'll kill the alpha males. Um, and it seems to me that we've gone from one group of chimpanzees, the United States, we disagree, but don't mess with us, we're one country, to two packs. And that's my, my concern. Monsignor, your thoughts? Yeah, totally. It's, uh, it's awful. I mean, to, you know, to segue from the situation in Israel, um, you, from our perspective, of course, thinking about the life of Jesus Christ, he was born into that environment. He, he, did, he was born in what they called the Pax Romana, the era of great peace. Uh, but it seems that the uh, what's happening there now, they, they, they tried dragging him into the political side of it. Help us overthrow the Romans. He didn't go there. So my role uh, as, a, as a pastor is to try to take all this to a personal level. What can we do about it in our own lives? Uh, at root, I, yes, I agree with you about the divisiveness in our own country right now, and it's, uh, it's heartbreaking to watch because we, what we lack right now is, uh, as you say, define yourself by who you're opposed to. What an awful thing. It's the, it's the Hatfields and the McCoys. And, and when you're born in that and breed people that way yourself, uh, down to succeeding generations, there, there's no hope. What we lack is, uh, we had, used to have more of, uh, is a common value system. Certain things were just right or wrong. And the, the number of things that fit that category anymore is getting smaller and smaller. Uh, so uh, without a common value system, as I, and I say, you know, I'm no uh, political scientist either, but I think it's not unusual to state that a, a society that doesn't have a common shared values system and a certain sense of moral decency, however you want to define that, that that's shared and owned, 
uh, there's no political system that's going to be able to succeed in I that agree environment. With you. We disagree on a lot of things, and, and we've crossed swords over the years, but I've been saying this to the guys the last few days. I, I agree with you that whether it's religious-based, it's based on a holy book, or it's based on something else, that if we're in a group and we have wildly different interpretations of rules and wildly different practices of following them, it never leads anywhere good. And I don't right. know how we get back there. Well, violence is certainly, I mean, you think about some of the great leaders, you know, you were taking me back to my childhood before, but some of the great leaders who did help make peace in the world uh, the is, say, Mahatma Gandhi, non, nonviolent uh, revolution to, to create uh, the, the, the state of India uh, in, in our own country. And Dr. King was preached nonviolent resistance, um, I'm not sure how many people involved in social change nowadays are into nonviolent resistance. As other, it's, it's become power things. Anytime, anytime something becomes a power struggle, uh, there's not going to be a yeah. good outcome, whether you're talking about a, a family, a city, a state, a country. Let me take a break here and come back, and Rabbi will let you follow up on that. 323, DGS on Preaching the Rabbi. Uh, it's always great. On the uh, on the breaks, we have as much fun and intellectual <laughs> discussions as we do during the show. So let's just do what you guys just did. Uh, Rabbi, you were talking about that while there is violence and terrorism and it makes the news in, in Israel and Palestine, that what you don't see, you don't see school shootings. Yeah, the streets are, are, are peaceful. And um, it, was, it surprised me because when I first went to Israel, I was expecting... I was a frightened, quite frankly, and you know, I was I was thinking like, you know, do you have to jump doorway to doorway? Are there going to be gunshots? So, and when I got there, I was surprised to find the peace and that kids are running in the streets and playing. And uh, and I was just saying, I don't really, you know, understand why here the things the things that have occurred here that the the, the the violence and the, you know, I just wanted to say one thing also about what you were discussing before, and I, I don't know, how, you were talking about how to get back to it. Yeah. The shared kind yeah. of values. And I don't know how to get back to the shared kind of values. But the one thing that, that I think is is that if we could somehow get back to is compromise. You know, it, 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 how can you have a democracy <laughs> with an unwillingness to compromise? And even though that compromise might mean a- allowing some of the like, things that are very sacred to you to be compromised, you don't have to do that. Yeah. But if you can't not allow other people to do some things that, that you're not going to really, you know, feel comfortable with. Is it, uh, is it, is it just too obvious to even point out that how we've regressed in our maturity level? Because in, an, in a, a, a person's life, in a marriage, in a business, as you mature, you compromise more. Yeah. You understand, oh, I can't have everything. Yeah. And yet, the older our country gets, the dumber we seem to be acting about. Imagine running a marriage like that. You know, <laughs> like both sides just say no compromise, and, yeah. and uh, you're right. You know, and it, and it's somehow we got to get back to that but to be able to it, disagree better. We 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 did that throughout my life. And right. Me too. I, I just the thought I was throwing out there, Dave, was that I, the example I was using. It took about the obser- the uh, obverse of our strengths is our weaknesses. And in this case, what's one of the greatest, what's one of the greatest strengths of American culture is uh, defense of individual liberties. It's what we're built on. But there's unintended consequences that come from that, which uh, one of them is, I th- believe, we're the most litigious society in the world. So, so the structure, even the legal system, is set up to defend individual liberties. But what happens in the end? 
what happens in the end, everybody lawyers up. So the, the first solution to issues oftentimes is we're going to lawyer up. They're going to lawyer up. We'll have the lawyers decide it. And you know this. You talk about it all the time from your law background. It's oftentimes said nowadays, even in the courts, uh, cases are decided not on the basis of substance, but on the basis of procedure. So whoever had the best. And so my, my point to, to all that is it becomes one of those power things. Once you have power against power, it takes away uh, the opportunity for, for compromise and uh, that can overflow into people's individual lives uh, unless you mitigate it uh, against it. And the way I see it, that relating to politics, we all learned in our high school social studies classes that uh, you uh, run from the edge and govern from the middle. Nowadays, anybody who tries to, yeah. to govern from the middle gets excommunicated from their own party. So our local philosopher, Rage, uh, says a lot of times <laughs> when we talk about this that, you know, it, we get right down to it, we're spoiled. We're spoiled. We've never had it easier. We've never had more things done for us. Yes. We're bored. And we, we're a bit like spoiled children. I do wonder right now if there were, as you talk about uh, what do we stand for in common, if there were, um, God willing, never, but some other incident like Pearl Harbor and World War II or like 9-11 20 years ago, um, how many people would sign up to fight, to defend? What, what is the, what's the common thing? There are some. There are many, and God yeah. bless them, everybody in but armed I bet forces fewer. now is volunteers. But if we were to go back to a draft, would, would people just hire lawyers to get them out of yeah. having to work for the country? Rabbi, 30 seconds left. It's your, it's your No, I was just going to say that to Rachel's point that— um, Similar in that I think that a lot of us, I, what I point out for is we don't appreciate what we have here. Like, you mm -hmm. know, I've grown up my entire life here without a, a, a war on peacefully every single year of my life uh, for the last 58 years. And so I think if we appreciated more the, the unbelievable, you know, thing that we have here, the ability to live free without Fear from you know. We should travel more. Yeah, you know when when you when you, mm. you you know when when you pay your taxes, you might not like it, but the the, the United States military, it, it's been a free country now, and without any attack on our soil, pretty much, yeah. besides perhaps Pearl Harbor. But you know, and so it, I, to that point, it's similar in that I think we really need to realize how important it is to hold this together because it's so good. And I think we we tend to lose sight of that. Yeah, no pun. Amen. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate it. Thank you, Dave. Three thirty-five. DGS Dave Murray joins us. Yes. Ooh, that frightened me. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't ready for that one. Oh, that reminds me. I thought this would be kind of fun. Nick brought this up last night. Um, not startled. Scared. What's the most scared you've ever been in your life to the extent you're willing to share it. I mean, if it's like a oh. personal health thing, maybe you don't want to, but you know, everyone's been startled, but what's the most just terrified you've been. And Nick's was uh, that his girlfriend put up Christmas lights that he didn't know about. And she was gone and he was in bed and they were rattling behind the headboard. And all he could picture was a monster made of knuckles and that it stopped <laughs> <laughs> and then it started again, and he was like, I just gave in to dying to the to the knuckle monster. Like, I just knew that was what was going to happen. Mm. Do you guys, anything pop in your heads? Well, one time my cat Lucy got out, or I thought she got out, and I thought I lost her, and that was extremely scary. How about the fire? Oh, yeah, and then the time I almost burnt my apartment down. Yeah. That, was, that was scary. That was pretty scary. 
Do <laughs> I even need to look at you? <sighs> I mean, the the it was short. It was only for a few seconds. But I mean, when I was in college in Miami, driving down US one, there were gunshots across the road in front of me, like from each side of the road mm. at each other, and I had to like. I have- did you see them shooting? Oh, I saw the flashes. Wow. It was in the. It was at night. I saw the muzzle flashes. I couldn't I, see the bullets though. I tried. I have two real ones and a and a kind of a funny one. The real ones are not like funny. They're like more real. Which one do you? Which one sounds better? And we're gonna hear them all. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, the real ones uh, where there was a time where my wife had a really bad allergic reaction and she like flatlined. And she was like, they, they had to revive her. And she that was very scary. We were just dating at the time, but that was very scary because mm-hmm. I thought she was dead. Yep. Uh, and then another time, it, it's a whole misadventure, but I ended up, I have never, I have never done meth. I've never been around meth, but I ended, up, the disclaimer. I ended up in this basement of this, <laughs> of this person's house. And there was a meth lab down there where her dad was making meth. I did not know it would be down there when I fled down there. I was fleeing from being caught for underage drinking. And uh, he grabbed a shotgun and he stuck it in my face and he started screaming at me because he had no idea who I was. And then suddenly I'm appearing in his basement where there's a drug lab. And I thought that I was going to get killed. That was <laughs> extremely, extremely scary. Yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then the funny one was I, I was uh, at my parents' house. It was when I was staying there while my wife had COVID. I was staying at their house and uh, they went on vacation. So it was just me there by myself. And I, I really, really thought that I, was, I, I saw my grandma's ghost. My grandma, who I loved, who we lived with there, it was yeah. Her that's house. a hilarious, hilarious story. Yeah. Well, I started thinking. I was so scared, and then I started thinking about it, and I was laughing because I'm like, I loved my grandma more than like anyone else on earth. Like, why yeah. would I be scared of her mm-hmm. ghost? Yeah. I It's like it, it. And then I started seeing it as like a. If it did happen, I saw. It, I tried to see it as more of like a joyous thing, like how, how great it would be to to see her. But I never saw the ghost again. So. I think I would be afraid of any dead person in my bedroom other than if it were like a child. If I lost a child, God forbid, and I saw their apparition, that wouldn't scare me. But if I wake up tonight, my dad's at the end of my bed, it scares me. Not as bad as like the devil, but I mean like... Anyone who's not supposed to be there is going to scare me. When you said a child, I just thought you meant any random child wouldn't scare you. No, no. Oh, a random one would no. Random. That's the scariest one. No, no, for sure. Dave, anything come to your mind? Yeah, when I was in in college, I was probably freshman year. I came home to see my folks, and we had torrential rains. Uh, and my folks' house, there was a little stream in the backyard, usually dry. But we went into a flash flood type situation, and I had this like little rubber raft mm-hmm. that I and I thought, yeah, well, it would be so cool to go rafting on this stream in flood. And so I I, I got in this thing. Now my folks lived about twelve miles away from the ocean. I ended up in the ocean. That's how fast this water was flowing. How old and were I you? Thought, I, I was probably about eighteen, nineteen. Okay. And heavy into heavy into weather, obviously, and I thought it would be great. Yeah, and it was flowing so fast I couldn't get out. I I was going until the end, and I thought there were, there were several times I thought I was was going gonna I was just gonna die. I was just gonna die. But what a way to go! I I was like, that's okay. <laughs> die in a flash flood, man, man, that is scary. He was like, I dreamt of a world without weather, and that terrified me. <laughs> I like when he said, I was it's really into sunny weather every day. I was really into weather, obviously. Goes without saying. Had a moment in high school that was like again, it's really short. Both of these cases similar. 
we're coming home from a high school football game and it was on the north side of Detroit. We had to go through Detroit part of it. And we're at a stoplight and a car stops in my blind spot. And then in my rear view mirror, I see the doors open and mm. the guy gets out of the car and starts crawling towards my car. That'll do it. And yeah. I yep. floored it. Yes. <laughs> I was like a dragster. Him. Anytime you see a man crawling. Yeah, I was like, like that can't be. Uh, he's not good. He's not going to just ask for directions. Uh, Dave, I'm just going to assume it's going to stay beautiful. Yes, just perfect weather, uh, right around 80 degrees for highs in the 50s at night, right through the weekend, next chance of some showers and thunderstorms. And it doesn't look like much will be Monday night and Tuesday. Interesting fun fact for weather. It's not a Category 5 yet, but Hurricane Lee in the Atlantic will become a Category 5. It's pretty deep in the water, but it's a watcher for the East Coast. And we have Hurricane Hova in the Pacific that is already a Category 5. So we could have two Category 5 storms, one in the Atlantic, one in the Pacific, over the next 24 to 36 hours. That's kind of neat. And uh, I know it's it's very early, but this one has a chance of hitting the eastern seaboard of Florida? Yeah, my concern right now, and a couple of things really have to come into play, and there's lots of time to watch this thing, would be somewhere from the mid-Atlantic region into New England, and I'm really concerned about southern New England right now. But, it, but again, it's a long way off. But that, that could become a problem. Okay. You want to do a couple stories? Sure. Headlines is brought to you by Schnucks. Get personalized savings delivered to you in an instant with the Schnucks Rewards app. Did you guys see that President Biden refused to approve some of the conditions the defendants in the September 11, 2001 attacks had sought in a possible plea bargain? Uh, the move rules out a presidential guarantee that the five men would be spared solitary confinement and provided care for the trauma of their torture in CIA custody. So that's what they were asking for. And President Biden said no. No, not doing that. I have not heard anything about this. I know. No, me either. I'd say good. Uh, You get no special privileges. So lawyers for the two sides have been uh, negotiating about the case for about a year and a half. Wow. Moving on here. Donald Trump has taken a commanding primary lead. He's 50 points over the rest of the primary field for the Republicans. He is holding down 62% of primary voters. Ron DeSantis, who is next, has dropped to 12%. I don't know what to say anymore. I mean, I'm so surprised by the turn of events that, and this is a bad thing for a radio show host to say, but I don't have anything intelligent to say. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. I'm, I'm just watching. At this point, I'm just watching. I feel like this is what all the pundits were saying, though, before anyone really entered the race. Everyone was saying if there's a bunch of people running, Donald Trump will 100 percent be the nominee. But if it's just a few, then those other people have a better chance. And it's playing out exactly like they said. I took that to mean, hey, this is interesting. Mathematically, when you break it down by percentages and I pictured Donald Trump eking it out by a couple of percent, like 40, 30. I, I I didn't see him being like 60 points ahead of everybody. Speaking of Donald Trump, he says he will take the stand. In a new interview, he was asked if he would testify in his own defense at any of the trials stemming from the four separate indictments he faces. He responded, oh, yes, absolutely. That I would do. That I look forward to. At trial, I'll testify. Anyone wants to put some money on it, I'm taking them. He's not to do it or not do it. He's not doing it. He's not going to do it. He's talking crap. Let him do uh, that. Yeah. Would, the, the Colonel Jessup moment would be fascinating, though, yes. wouldn't it? Sure would. 
Top U.S. Senate Republican Mitch McConnell says he plans to serve the rest of his two-year term as party leader in his full six-year term in office. He told reporters yesterday, I am going to finish finish my term as leader and I'm going to finish my Senate term. Go home. Yeah. Former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton was due to visit the White House next week, but that's in question now because she was set to visit uh, First Lady Jill Biden at a ceremony honoring the winners of a prestigious International Arts Award. But since Jill has tested positive for COVID, that's up in the air as to whether or not Hillary will visit. You know, you know what Bill's rooting for. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, she's fine. You can go. Just put on a mask. You still, you still going to DC? (laughs) You know, there's a. You you could go to another place up there. (laughs) No, Florida's nice. You could visit the Senate, eastern side of Florida. (laughs) (laughs) Teen gambling is on the rise as sports betting sweeps the nations. uh, The nation. Little regulation on sports betting sites is allowing teens of any age to access gambling what no just what are we doing i don't well, no, I mean, that's i mean every law though has an age minimum for gambling mm-hmm. so i would assume that they because you can't like you can't gamble if you're in missouri you can't go on any of the gambling sites and i mean at least the ones that are following the rules and gamble here because it reads your location and yeah. says no you can't place a bet I've, here i've tried and you go to illinois and it works yep um i would assume that they are attached to the state's gambling laws but I would say this: they probably sign in under accounts right. that that right. are verified exactly. by someone else, or they have a credit card and they fake the the age or whatever. Now, if I get in, if I live in Missouri and I drive to Illinois, I can place a bet. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. With my phone, it's okay. all about your physical location. I used yeah. to do okay. it on Sundays when I would go to see my mom. Yep. Which do you think there are fewer of uh, people who make it into the major league into the MLB? Or professional gamblers who actually make money? It's probably baseball, but it's probably not by much. There are not made. It's, uh, it's, I, I grew up in the national sports talk world in the 90s when gambling was everything. We talked gambling and betting lines and all that. And one of the guys that actually I ended up taking the show when he left to go do something else, he was a handicapper. And he's like, listen, n- almost nobody can make money on this because you have to be disciplined. You have to understand where to go big and where to go small. And he said it's really hard. It's math. And people that are really good at math are the ones that have the best success. Gotcha. Yeah, I buy that. Yeah. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. Have a good Alrighty. night. You uh, too. Okay. We only have a minute, and I'm not sure we have enough time for this. Rachel said hangnail today, and I said, shut up. <laughs> like, I think we all think a hangnail is something different. Like, I think a hangnail is when, like, you're biting your nails mm-hmm. and you go too far and now you're like, ah, it's the prisoner's dilemma. Do I just yank it off? Do I cut it? Whatever. I think other people think that hangnails are down at the bottom of your nail on the cuticle. I that's what I think a hangnail is. I thought I thought they were on the sides, but towards the bottom, like yes, where the skin exactly. meets the where the skin meets the. It's a good compromise. Thing. Yeah, yeah. I think what you're dealing with is just you're you're biting your nails down to like the quick. Thanks, Rage. I didn't well, figure that I'm out. I'm sorry. I'm. <laughs> I just don't think that's a hangnail. So does a hangnail happen to you as opposed to you cause it? Yeah, that that's what I've always thought my whole life. I'm hurting. I'm hurting just hearing it. Like we keep saying the word. And Kevin, keep, you're looking at me like you've never had one. He's no, never, no I, like I think one. it's all of these things. He has perfect Ooh, nail health. He's the never answer once is had all I think of it's the all above. of it. I think it's anything that's hanging around your nail and either you did it or it just did it. 
Hangnails are whatever we want them to be. <laughs> Evidently so. I think they're a mirror into our soul. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I gotta get one. Uh, why were you listening to something while she was doing the live? That I didn't mean me, to. That made me laugh. I mean to. I clicked on, t- I, I didn't know my audio was up, and I clicked on Twitter. And the, the She's video doing schnooks, and, and I hear like, where are the cancer jammer kids? Where yeah. are the cancer jammer kids? I was Conan He's O'Brien. It was Conan. It was an old Conan interview. I'm like, well, well, isn't that rude? It's just me being stupid. Uh, well, turn it back on. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 